head, the blade flared and sharp as any sword. The haft was of elm, beautifully curved, and more than forty years old. For most men it was a heavy tool, unwieldy and imprecise. But in the hands of the dark-haired young man who stood before the towering beech, it sang through the air, seemingly as light as a sabre. Every long swing saw the head bite exactly where the woodsman intended, deeper and deeper into the meat of the trunk. Dross stepped back, then glanced up. There were several heavy branches jutting towards the north. He moved around the tree, gauging the line where it would fall, then returned to his work. This was the third tree he had tackled today, and his muscles ached, sweat gleaming on his naked back. His short-cropped black hair was soaked with perspiration that trickled over his brow, stinging his ice-blue eyes. His mouth was dry, but he was determined to finish the task before allowing himself the reward of a cooling drink. Some way to his left, the brothers, Pilan and Yorath, were sitting on a fallen tree, laughing and talking, their hatchets beside them. Theirs was the task of stripping the trunks, hacking away smaller branches and limbs that could be used for winter firewood. But they stopped often, and Drus could hear them discussing the merits and alleged vices of the village girls. They were handsome youths, blonde and tall, sons of the blacksmith, Terin. Both were witty and intelligent, and popular among the girls. Drus disliked them. To his right, several of the older boys were sawing through the larger branches of the first tree Drus had felled, while elsewhere young girls were gathering dead wood, kindling for winter fires, and loading them to wheelbarrows to be pushed downhill to the village. At the edge of the new clearing stood the four workhorses, hobbled now and grazing, waiting for the trees to be cleaned, so that chain traces could be attached to the trunks for the long haul into the valley. Autumn was fading fast, and the village elders were determined that the new perimeter wall would be finished before winter. The frontier mountains of Skoda boasted only one troop of Drenai cavalry, patrolling an area of a thousand square miles. Raiders, cattle thieves, slavers, robbers and outlaws roamed the mountains, and the ruling council in Drenai made it clear they would accept no responsibility for the new settlements on the Vagrian borders. But thoughts of the perils of frontier life did not discourage the men and women who journeyed to Skoda. They sought a new life, far removed from the more civilized south and east, and built their homes where land was still free and wild, and where strong men did not need to tug the forelock nor bow when the nobles rode by. Freedom was the key word, and no talk of raiders could deter them. Drus hefted his axe, then thundered the blade into the widening notch. Ten times more he struck, deep into the base of the trunk. Then another ten smooth, powerful strokes. Three more axe blows, and the tree would groan and give, wrenching and tearing as she fell. Stepping back, he scanned the ground along the line of the fall. A movement caught his eye, and he saw a small child with golden hair sitting beneath a bush, a rag doll in her hand. Curious! bellowed Druss. If you are not out of there by the time I count to three, I'll tear off your leg and beat you to death with the wet end. One, two. The child's mouth dropped open, her eyes widening. Dropping her rag doll, she scrambled clear of the bush and ran crying from the forest. 
Drush shook his head and walked forward to retrieve the doll, tucking it into his wide belt. He felt the eyes of the others on him, and guessed what they were thinking. Drush the brute, Drush the cruel. That's how they saw him, and maybe they were right. Ignoring them, he walked back to the tree and hefted his axe. Only two weeks before he had been felling a tall beech and had been called away with the work almost completed. When he returned, it was to find Kiris sitting in the topmost branches with her doll as always beside her. Come down, he had coaxed. The tree is about to fall. Won't, said Kiris. We like it here. We can see forever. Drus had looked around, for once hoping that some of the village girls were close by. But there was no one. He examined the huge cleft in the trunk. A sudden wind could cause the trunk to topple.